0: Thank you, James. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you. I just really feel like tomorrow, this morning is a, it's a really special morning, a really important morning, and uh, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to come third in line in the Book of Acts and to continue our conversation about what the Holy Spirit is doing there. And I was thinking about our lives and about how things are changing and shifting, and it brought to my mind the worst structural engineering foundation fail to my knowledge maybe you've taken a picture of it where you put your hand out as if you're holding up the leaning tower of pizza right that that tower is a bell tower for the church nearby and in the 12th century they began to build it and got three stories on it and all of a sudden they realized wait a minute this this thing is not on a good foundation it's on a foundation of sand and seashells and it immediately started to to tilt to the side and then the architects and the structural engineers were rescued by a war because then two neighboring states went to war and they didn't touch the building for a hundred years and then they went back to work on it trying whatever they could to get this thing to get upright and they couldn't it's because it was built on a shaky foundation and when life is changing around you and when your life is unsettled And when you feel like everything's shifting, it's like it's all sand, that's the time when we need to pause. And just like a home in Palos Verdes, we need to to build some pylons down very, very deep, past the seashells, past the sand, and to find an anchor in something solid, in bedrock. And that's what we're gonna be reminded of today in this passage in Acts. And I'm just mindful of the kind of world in which we live in today. And some of the, the challenges and stresses and anxieties that all of us have had to overcome. Things that oftentimes feel out of our control. It's at this very time when we're gonna discover what is the foundation like? Is it sturdy? Is it built on a bedrock? So we're in the third installment in the book of Acts. And as we go through, we just have a conviction that Acts is going to teach us and show us how God is continuing the mission of Jesus through the people of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And a couple weeks ago, Taylor, brilliant, kicked us off in the book of Acts where Jesus told his early disciples... I want you to wait, I want you to wait, wait for the promised Holy Spirit, and when that Spirit comes, you'll receive power, and you will be my witnesses here and around the world. And as James said last week, Brooke, and with a powerful story from Abby, talked about that day, when it came, the day we call Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered together together. And the Holy Spirit showed up in a very powerful, life-transforming way. In fact, tongues as a fire landing in each one of them. And now they're all speaking in languages that all these people in the surrounding area can hear and understand the reality of what was happening in their own language. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Some people then watch this. And they asked the, the very logical question, what is happening? What does this mean? And there are also some other people that just laughed and, and sneered and said, well, they're drunk. That's the problem. They've just been drinking too much wine. And, you know, not to overgeneralize, but that, that in one sense really is, it's, it's the divide regularly when people are confronted with the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of what Jesus is doing, the mission of God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, some people stop and are curious and say, I gotta figure out what is happening here. And unfortunate, there are some that'll just make fun and don't get it. And, and that's, that's the reality in which we're in. And I, I trust that this morning as we look at peter's explanation here that for some of you the light bulb will turn on that it will make sense that you'll go oh oh this this explains what has been going on around me i understand and you know what it's okay if you're so new to this thing and you're looking and you think these people are a little bit strange maybe they're drunk well i i don't I haven't seen anyone drunk on the beach this morning yet, uh, and it's not real wine in communion. Well, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. If you've got a copy of the scriptures, you have it on your phone, you brought your Bible with you in a paper form, or as this early crowd heard it, they just heard Peter talk, and you can listen and process. Acts chapter 2, and Peter's explanation starts in verse 14, and that's where we're going to pick up. You could say this is Peter's first sermon. You could say this is the first sermon the church ever heard. Verse 14, chapter 2, Acts. Then Peter stood up with the 11. I'm just going to throw in, if you were to flip one page to your left, you will see the place where Peter was reinstored after having denied Jesus three times. Now that's a sermon for another time. But the man who denied jesus three times and wept bitterly was restored to ministry and then peter stood up with the eleven look at the transformation in him he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd fellow jews and all you who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you this is a an explanation of what has just happened in their real life listen carefully and i i want to throw that out in the midst of a distracting environment here on the beach I trust you'll listen carefully to Peter's words. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then Peter quotes an ancient prophet from what we might call the Old Testament scriptures. But, but these were the writings that guided ancient Israel. And it spoke to them. And they look for God to speak to them through these prophets. And Peter says, this is what Joel's talking about. And then he quotes Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The last days, we're entering the last days. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. They'll they'll be declaring the truth of God's mission. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And get this. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know if you've ever uh, been introduced to the Bible Project. BibleProject.com. It's a fantastic place for you to go if you'd like to find out more about the Bible and understand the message of the Bible. And their tagline is, we see all of scriptures leading up to a culmination which finds its fulfillment in Jesus. In other words, One way to look at the scriptures is that from Genesis 1-1, we are being led on a wonderful story, on a narrative, on a journey, the mission of God to bring about restoration of the world, which finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And that's why Peter and all of those early preachers in the book of Acts, they always went back back to the prophets, they embedded their understanding of what was happening with the outpouring of the Spirit in what had already been said. And it blew their mind. Oh, this that's happening right now is what they were talking about back then, fulfilled prophecy. So what Peter is saying, quoting Joel, is that the time between the first arrival of Jesus and his return and coming back, it's called the last days. It's the age of the Messiah and the age of what? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So We're in that age. We're in the age of Jesus. This is the Jesus age and the age when the Holy Spirit is seeking to outpour himself into us. And the, and, and the, the word that's used for outpouring, what, what, it, what it is referring to it's not the rain we get in L.A. where a local news station will put a camera on a gutter with a little trickle going down calling us to the, the, the tragedy of, of, uh, of watch, right? That's, that's not what Joel is talking about. He's talking about a tropical rain downpour. And I'm telling you, as our staff has been listening to God, praying, asking the Holy Spirit to guide us for this next season of the river, we have not really known it, but this is what we've been praying for, for a tropical rainstorm. Now, we could use that in LA, right? But what we're talking about is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming through the river church into our community and around the world through those who follow Jesus, wherever they happen to be, that we would open ourselves up, that we would be sensitized to what God is doing through the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our midst, in our community, in this key moment in time. It's the only time we have. It's this one right now. But next... Peter now gets to the heart of his sermon. And this is is so important. Because the narrative is focused on Jesus. I want you to note what Peter highlights. Because this is central to what we call the good news. This is central to the gospel. This is is the, the foundation that goes deep into the bedrock that never changes that we can anchor our soul to in the midst of the storm. This is the place that is so solid because it was determined by God himself for you and for me. I'll start at verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Yeah, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by what? Miracles, wonders, and signs. Joel predicted this. Which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This is Jesus' ministry. This is his, his, his 33 years on this planet. His three years in active ministry calling the 12 to follow him as he did signs and wonders, miracles to say, hey, the kingdom is in breaking. It's, it's coming here. It's arriving through himself and through what he was doing. This man, now get this, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Now that one is so confusing to me. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Okay, put those two together jesus death on the cross was according to god's plan and foreknowledge and purpose and he did it through wicked people who took jesus put him on a fake trial nailed him to a cross so you have jesus ministry a ministry of love and wonder and then he was put on a cross but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, I'm going to skip the part about David. But once again, it's going back to the ancient Israel scriptures to validate what was actually happening. Verse 31, seeing what was to come, he, that's David, in advance spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Jesus' ministry, he goes to the cross, and on three days, Peter says, and we saw it. We were there. We saw it. He was raised from the dead. And then he goes on, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. You send it to the Father, seated at the right hand. This is his exaltation. There's the gospel. His ministry, his cross, and thank God. His resurrection from the dead, bodily risen from the dead, and then exalted into the highest place. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel, and let the river know, let the whole world know, be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He is in the place right now of supreme honor and absolute power. And that's why we worship. That's why we come on the beach and we sing these songs of worship to our Savior Jesus who gave his life for us. It's a story that's embedded all the way back in creation in Genesis 1. To me, it's the story that makes the most sense of the world in which we're in. It is truly good news. And this is not merely a ticket to heaven. And I know a lot of us were raised with, you know, just pray this prayer and you'll get your insurance to go to heaven when you die. This is so much bigger than this. This is is a new narrative for your life. This is a new story. This is a new allegiance. We're invited into a brand new kingdom with a new king. And if Jesus is king... It means no one else is. He is our reigning Lord. He's our king. We give ultimate allegiance to this suffering servant whom the grave could not hold, but he rose again. This is a powerful personal story. It's personal for Peter, it changed his life. And you'll see it changed a bunch of these people in a moment. And I'll say, you know, we today, after centuries and centuries of, of, of studying this, we, we have all sorts of doctrines and, and, and controversies, and we know all the ins and outs of these things. For Peter right here, this was not a developed doctrine or some sort of a formula that you had to go through. This is Peter blurting out what he had seen and how his life had been changed by the ministry and the death and the resurrection and the exaltation of his Messiah. And it requires a response. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That means they had deep conviction of their sin. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, okay, just get the moment. You know, when they realized that some 40, 50, 60 days ago, they conspired together and put Jesus on the cross, okay? The conviction was really deep. And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Following repentance, there were two gifts that Peter declared they would receive. One, you can have forgiveness of your sins. Two, then the Holy Spirit will come and take up residence in your life. This power of God that raised him from the dead can come and live inside of you as well. And he says in verse 39, The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. And this includes me this includes you. All whom the Lord will call. We have a sense that there comes a time when God begins to tug on us and he calls us. And I could remember that call in my life. I was raised in a, in a church environment. And I knew all about the church. And I, I uh, benefited from what Kathy Plummer does with River Kids. Not in River Kids. I mean, I'm older than Kathy. But, but you know, going through Sunday school I heard all the lessons. I knew them backwards and forwards. And to be perfectly honest with you, sorry, Kathy, I got so bored. When I became a teenager, I like, oh, I don't really want anything to do with this anymore. I I want things that move a little faster. And it wasn't Abraham, I don't know, you know, Hezekiah or what, you know, I, I just, I was bored. I wandered away, I wandered away from God. And when I was 17, I was invited to go on a a mission trip, a lot like our Baja bound, to go down into Mexico, up into the mountains where we built some homes. I don't know what it was, but it was God's call on my life. It was in the midst of being taken out of my own environment of growing up with lots of things that I could have and no real needs, bored with God, and I was amongst some very, very impoverished, faithful, God-worshiping believers that blew me away. I have so much and I love so little. You have so little and you love so much. And it transformed my life. I surrendered my life. I've, maybe I'm 17. I'm old enough now to finally get it on my own. And I surrendered to Jesus. And I can remember being baptized soon after that. And it was the very first time this this, um, scared kid stood up in front of a crowd and said, I love Jesus, and I'm gonna try to live my life for him. That public declaration, it cemented something. When did I become a Christian? I don't know. But after I got baptized, I've never had a doubt Of where my security lies because i'm now connected to the anchor that is down deep in the bedrock i had to respond and these people had to respond verse 40 with many other words i like that peter in a sermon you get it many other words now when we're here we don't get to do that anymore because we have another service and you're happy that we don't do many other words but Peter went on and on and what did he say he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation and those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their number that day their public rep- repentance and their baptism was a was an identification with the family James is going to bring us a beautiful message about that in the next verses in Acts next week. Our family ties and what it means to be baptized into the Trinitarian community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'll just throw this in. The New Testament can't imagine a follower of Jesus who is not baptized. And they also can't imagine a believer who lives an individual life separated from the family and the body. Okay, that's another sermon. I'm not going down that road. But I would want to invite you now to just consider what you've heard. And for those of you who are like me, you've been around a long, long time. And it can be really easy to allow the sharp edge of the gospel message, the good news to get muted by all the stuff in our world, and we can forget it. I'm just hoping that this morning that you will be gripped again by the power of this good news that is unshakable. God took the initiative And came into our world in Jesus and lived amongst us and gave us a window into what the kingdom could look like. And then he gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice to solve the problem that you and I could not solve and we still are having a hard time solving it. Jesus solved it for us and he went to the cross. And that could have been the end of the story. But it wasn't. In God's plan, he raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I'm telling you, friends, I'm banking. I'm banking my life on that reality. That is the cornerstone of my life. That you and I have a future hope. And that future hope is secured by the goodness of God that Jesus would come and live and die for us and be raised again, and now He sits in power, and yet someday to come again. So, I'm I'm just gonna ask you if we could let's just be silent, and and you know if you want to close your eyes, you can. If you want to um, look out at the ocean, I feel like this is an important moment. Um, wherever you're at. So just, just consider where are you at in your, your journey with Jesus. Here's some thoughts to consider. At the River Church, we focus on Jesus. His person his words and his ways <laughs> secondly there's no ongoing minis- uh, there's no ongoing mission of jesus without the power and the presence of the holy spirit the holy spirit is always going to lift jesus up Where is Jesus in the narrative of your life, even at this moment? The scriptures tell us that history is going somewhere. History is moving in a linear fashion forward to find its culmination when Jesus returns again. This gives a sense of urgency to the good news in each of our lives and repentance is the mandatory prerequisite to receiving the gifts, forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness wipes out the wrongs of our past. It is available to us not only at the first time we answer the call of God, but it's new every morning. It's new this morning. To have forgiveness of our sins and wipe out our guilt is possible this very moment. And the gift of the Holy Spirit then brings transformation into the future. We can be changed and we can find freedom. Freedom from guilt and shame, from judgment, from self-centeredness and freedom to be the people God designed us to be we can become those people. We can be that kind of a community. We have the freedom to join Jesus in the restoration of all things. And I'm just gonna invite those of you who've been part of the river, you've been coming, you've been curious, you've been asking somebody please explain this to me. This might be a moment where you need to step across the line of faith. You know that invitation is available to you even this morning, that you could say, Jesus, I'm going to give you everything I know about my life to everything I know about your life. And God, I don't know everything. But that might be you this morning. Now, you've been kind of on the periphery You've loved the, the 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 fellowship, the friendships that are here at the river, but you have never stepped across that line and said, Jesus, I acknowledge your ministry, your death, your resurrection, your exalted place as Lord, and I want to make you my Lord today. So, Jesus, I give you my life. I invite you, you can say that. You can say that right now, you can say that tonight. You can talk to your friends in a grounded group and say, I I would like to give Jesus my life. You're not alone in this. There are just scores of people here that we're here because we want to do life together and find out what it means to answer that call. So I'm going to pray, and Luke's going to come up and lead us into communion. If in some ways you're taking that step, you're moving forward in faith, you're crossing the line, you're saying, I want to answer that call i don't know everything i just i i desperately ask you please talk with someone talk with one of your friends talk with me talk with taylor talk with talk with one of the talk there's many people here that could guide you father we thank you for jesus and holy spirit thank you for coming on us in this place and we want to open ourselves up to you and have you have free reign in our lives in our community. We pray, Father, that that would overflow out of us and out of our hearts into places far and wide, our families, our schools, the Los Angeles mission. I pray your blessing. And I pray for those this morning that are struggling with faith, that are making decisions to say yes to you. Jesus, be lifted up and lead us, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, Bill. Thank you so much for your diligence and, and following the Holy Spirit and bringing us his word. Um, yeah, with Bill, I mean, we as a staff team have been praying for our church, as Bill was saying, that this just downpouring of the Holy Spirit would come captivate us and mobilize us and move us and lead us into all that we are invited to be in this grand story and narrative of Jesus and we are so excited for that. And I love just the the grounding that you brought, Bill, is that we are never moving beyond the good news that Jesus Christ has died and risen again. That is our foundation, our bedrock, and that will always be what grounds us as we in the power of the Holy Spirit go out into the world and join the mission of God. And it's just, it's for all of us personally, I'm sure if you've been thinking on this or meditating on it, there's always more depth to the cross of Jesus Christ. His death, His resurrection, His ascension, the more that we ponder it, the more that it it moves us, it motivates us, it it compels us into kindness and grace and mercy. And and this is why it's the bedrock and foundation that we can never get away from our moved past. And this is also why Jesus, has in part, I believe, invited us to participate in the Lord's table. Because when we participate in the Lord's table, we are proclaiming the death of Jesus until he comes again. And Peter, in his sermon that Bill was just uh, expounding for us, has said that Jesus was risen from the dead and all of us here are witnesses to it. And that incredible scene where everyone's speaking in tongues and you see this powerful movement of the Holy Spirit and they're saying that we are all witnesses to it. And in a similar manner, us here this morning as we partake of the Lord's table are saying, yes, Jesus has been raised from the dead and I am a witness to that. And that his death, his life, his resurrection is changing me too. And this is what we want to invite us as a church to partake in. On uh, Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body given for you. And in a similar manner, he took the cup, the wine, and, and passed it around to his disciples and said, this is my blood shed for you. Christ's body given for us his blood shed for us this is the foundation and bedrock so i'm going to invite us all to partake of the table now and you can do it as you uh, see fit a lot of people will go and stand and look at the ocean if that is what you'd like to do Uh, and then after this we're going to close Uh, ron's going to play some music Uh, But church, we want to to send you out, that you to know that you are the people of God that is joining the mission of Jesus, and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in this grand narrative. So go, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.